In Contention podcast. I am Ruben Bressler, and I am joined by Matt Cranstuber. I am Matt Cranstuber. I'm joined <laughs> with Joey Pasco. Hi. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to continue this. <laughs> hey, everybody. That was neat. All right. Well, the In Contention podcast is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series. And next weekend, not this coming weekend, because obviously this weekend is Gen Con, but next weekend, August 25th through 26th, the Open Series rolls into Denver, Colorado, with $10,000 prize pools in both Standard and Legacy. If you can't be there, be sure to tune into SCG Live and catch Joey Pasco. And Adrian Sullivan bringing you all the action. The Twitter hashtag for the event is hashtag SCGDEN. So if you use that, you can uh, join in on the discussion on Twitter. If you can't make it out, be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. Go to the StarCityGames.com open series page for a complete listing at StarCityGames.com slash open underscore series. Joey, going yeah. out to Colorado. Yeah, yeah should... two years in a row. I, uh, Are you gonna ski out there or go go snowboarding or something? I think I'm gonna watch Magic. Isn't it weekend. August? <laughs> Do they still okay. have? Snow? I don't know how it works out there. I don't know I, either. <laughs> uh, I think you probably could. It's, I mean, it's not like powder or anything, but I think you can you can go pretty much year round. I thought I flew into Denver once. I forget why. I, it might have been for a for a layover or something. But it's just bizarre because like your plane typically goes up in the air and then comes back down to land. We didn't really go down at all. We just like went up in the air and then went straight across the United States onto the Denver airport. <laughs> it was very nice. strange. Nice. We had to go up again to land at the airport. Yeah, I, I was there last June and it felt like typical June weather to me. So I don't know how there could have been snow. I guess I wasn't high up enough but i mean it's good, to, it's good to hike this time of year I, I i used to go out there with my family a lot and uh I, I don't i don't think i've ever ever boarded or skied or anything but it's uh it's amazing so hopefully you get some time to yeah we went up to uh or were you guys you guys might not you weren't in buffalo but i went up to buffalo and you'd expect buffalo to be cold and it's actually just hotter than anywhere else like <laughs> almost basically as hot as roanoke right well so i'm gonna yeah, I'm going to cut off the uh, the geography discussion here, and we're going to get <laughs> right into our hashtags, what we're going to talk about this week. So got got some good topics. Going to kick it off with SCG Kansas City from this past weekend, talk about some of the decks that we saw there. And then we're going to talk about a TCG player event that came into Columbus that uh, Ruben and I were able to go to this weekend. They were going to have some Gen Con talk, and uh, we'll have a, a quiz. We'll talk about yep. the World Magic Cup. I'd like to maybe talk a little bit about Vintage Worlds. Yeah, we'll I think warm you guys up for the best four days in gaming. It, it, it definitely is going to be it's going to be nuts. Uh, and then we saw some cards that came across apparently from a Japanese blog with some Return to Ravnica spoilers that uh, we are we, we'd like to talk about them a little bit, regardless yeah. of whether or not they've been confirmed. So let's uh, let's dig in and, and talk about Kansas City that happened this last weekend. So yeah, so, uh, Ruben, Ruben, you you weren't there this weekend, right? Because you were at the correct. TCG I was play. not there this weekend because uh, Glenn and I swap off, and Glenn decided he wanted this trip. He wanted to go out and have some barbecue, I imagine. Um, and so uh, yeah, I was I was not there this weekend. I caught some of the coverage, um, not a ton, but uh, a little bit. I just want to you know. Sometimes I want to watch television instead of be on television. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there were actually some some decently big names there this weekend, too, playing like uh, Matthias Hunt was playing, the, battling it out this weekend. Adam Boyd, who top-aided the Invitational, top-aided the Legacy. And the other Mox on Twitter, Mox Upple. Oh, uh, yeah. Was the, uh, you can follow him at Mox Upple, U-P-P-A-L, on, uh, on Twitter. Justin Upple was there. He had a deck tech for his Omnitel deck. That uh, borrowed the Overmaster uh, tech from uh, Ely Cassis and put it in an Omniscience. He kept calling it Omniscience, which I thought was adorable. <laughs> they both, him and Glenn, both called it Omniscience. But the uh, the Omniscience uh, Overmaster deck, anyway. So, was so isn't, isn't it, it? It's it's Omniscience inside a Show and Tell shell, right? Yes. So shouldn't the deck be called No Intel, like K N O W, right? Because you Omniscient. Jeez. Nice. No I mean, Very nice. That's a problem with, and it also should be called Attack of the Show, the other deck. Right. Because those actually are cute and, like, make sense. But the problem with that is it's legacy. So whatever the first name is, regardless of how good it is, that's the name the deck's going to be. 
Like that's going to be the deck. I think we should. I think we should fight against that. Like Nick Fit is a deck name. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about standard. We had uh, a pretty pretty diverse top eight in the standard portion of the event. Um, but the the deck that I think um, is really popping out at me is the second place deck piloted by Nick Marriott, which is a infect deck. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it's mono green, and it runs a full gamut of uh, Phyrexian mana spells, Rancor, Glistener Elf, Icarcolmer. Six, Sixteen spells that use Phyrexian mana. Yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> It just does. It it's wants absurd. to. Uh, it wants to win the game as soon as possible, and it doesn't care what life it's at uh, to, to get there. Um, but those Phyrexian mana spells being Apostle's Blessing, which is uh, huge in that deck. Yep. Gut Shot to clear the wave blockers. Mental Misstep to stop Ponders and Vapor Snags, and then uh, Mutagenic Growth, which is probably maybe the most important Phyrexian mana spell in the deck. So is this also like, uses. Is- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It also uses Getaxian Pro. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just, just to play a 58 card deck, basically. So this is this is Suicide Green. Yes. Is that, is that what this is? Okay. And it, exactly yeah, right. and this is a deck that um, you know when Reed Duke did well with his Rug deck, this is like the the deck you want to play against the deck. Yep. Yeah, this is the trump to to these slow, like sort of methodical, like you know I, I need to get to 10 mana and play a Karn, and you're yeah. like, well, I'll just kill you. you. 10 Infect by turn three. You know, especially, you know, Cathedral of War, uh, um, excuse me, uh, Cathedral of War, I am so impressed with, um, mm-hmm. as I've been playing against this deck in the Qs and at FNM, um, it it really, like, puts a serious clock. Like, when you're attacking with a Glistener Elf, if you just by itself, as a 2-2, like, that's really scary. There's nothing in the format that, that profitably trades with that. Yep. Um, like, the best... I can think of as maybe Borderland Ranger. <laughs> but other than that, like everything else costs like four mana or more. There's just no like middle ground card. I guess a, sna- a Snapcaster can jump in front of it. Um, but then like if you have an Ickerclaw mirror out and the uh, Cathedral of War, there's just nothing that can that can block it until you get to, to four or five mana. Yep. Uh, so that that's pretty insane. It also has Green Sun Zenith to act as Glistener Elf five through, uh, five through six or five and six. Also, and, he has a Diagraph Escort in the sideboard, which is awesome. Yeah, I have to even I have to even look at what that's the that's the Soul Bond protection <laughs> from zombies guy. Yeah, wow. basically, it's just against just zombies. Through your zo- opponent's zombies. How yeah. sick is that? You just green sun zenith it up, and now your guy has protection from zombies, and uh, you know your attacker has protection from zombies, and meanwhile you have Diagraph Escort back to just, just block, block infinite yep. zombies. Yep. <laughs> the other so. Uh, we were talking about Phyrexian mana spells. We've got 16 in the main deck. Apostle's Blessing, Gutshot, which, by the way, real quickly, uh, everyone I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone knows about this, but if you have Wild Defiance in play, you can still just Gutshot your own guy to attack sure. for four. Uh, Apostle's Blessing, Gutshot, Mental Misstep, Mutagenic Growth, Getaxian Probe. And then in the sideboard, we have four Dismember, one Mental Misstep, four Spellskite. So, this is, this is almost more Suicide Black than, than Suicide Black. This is pretty... <laughs> pays a lot of life. Yeah. So uh, I, I just wanted to point that out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that definitely this is the – as soon as I saw a ramp deck win, I was like, man, I want to play Poison this weekend. But I forgot about it when I went to the TCG event. I just picked up something else. So so the thing about this deck, I think the the biggest flaw that this deck has – is that it just won an open, or it just second placed an open? Yeah. Because yeah. now, as soon as everybody looks at it, it's just going to fall apart. Like yep. it's as soon as you want to fight it, it's it's done. And you even just saw that in the finals. Um, I did catch the finals, and it was like, you know, the Delver deck just has infinite spells and ways to interact with your creatures. So it just says, "I'll just get some pressure, Delver mm-hmm. of Secrets, yep. and then I'm going to gut shot your guy. I'm going to vapor snag your guy." And yep. I believe. Uh, uh, Mike Prokop's Delver deck also had mental missteps too, yep. and so this, you know you saw all that kind of the, thing. The uh, the Talrand version of Delver is so good against this deck because oh, yeah. you're not you, you, your life total is actually just not not an option. Like you yep. can use you can free your Detaxian probes, you can flashback all the gut shots you want. You could be at four life, and it it just doesn't matter. Um, I, I so I think that that's definitely worth mentioning. But uh, I mean, what what are what are some decks that 
this is good at this uh, good against aside from the ramp deck, like probably like mono, the uh, the mono black deck that's real slow that doesn't really play a lot of spot removal. Well, the current builds of like Naya aggro and red green aggro don't have any instant speed burn spells, and so if you don't have like a Geist Honored Monk or a Restoration Angel to be able to block the Ink Moth Nexus, you're and also sometimes you're just dead from other things. So I think that. Uh, that it's real good against red green aggro. It's real good against uh, Naya aggro. It's pretty good against Naya pod. It's slightly worse against Naya pod, I, be- I believe, because they can interact with the you know they can go get the acidic slime for the wild defiance, for example. Um, but the you know all the Naya and red green aggro decks are running Thrag Tusk, and that card is just irrelevant. Yeah, against, uh, yeah, it's just a five three. That's all it does. Yeah, I think that the window for mono green infect was this weekend. I think even it's possible that it could do well, I would think, maybe next weekend, because I think some people just might not take it seriously, even though it just came in second place. Well, the other thing is that there's a week off from SCG events. Right. So if no one plays it at the World Magic Cup, which I imagine they won't, because those types of players don't typically play decks like Mono Green Infect. Right. Um, they forget then, about it, and it shows up in Denver and does well again, kind of. Yep. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised to have that happen. You know what's funny? Um one of uh, one of a uh, Columbus natives, Andrew Marr, who just did well at the TCG player event, he had fog in his sideboard. Mm. Um, he was playing the mono green aggro deck, and uh, I think it was just there to sort of be like a a time walk or a green sleep, you know, to to uh, you know, all right, I'm gonna alpha strike you and make you think that like you know I'm desperate, and then just mm-hmm. fog you because like who the hell plays fog, especially right. outside of decks that are built to play fog so that's uh i was playing safe passage this weekend safe passage is a card i've been seeing on in uh in moto queues when the elf wave deck first became popular Mm -hmm. because not only is it a fog but it also counters bonfire uh and so i got to uh safe passage some bonfires this weekend that was a ton of fun nice Speaking of Bonfire, uh, I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at the red-green aggro deck that got sixth place, uh, Scott Oderkirk. This is the deck that I'm going to be playing on Moto next because this deck just looks insane to me. Um, it's uh, it's a pretty traditional red-green aggro deck. It's got birds, rangers, hellriders, huntmasters, uh, land rails, guys, thrag tusks. Thunder My Hellkai, Silverheart, so it's a, a ton of creatures. But then it has two Sword of Peace of Famine, two Sword of War and Peace, four Bonfire, three Green Sun Zenith, and then a full, a full list of land, but four Kessig Wolf Runs. So wow. you're to get your, your swords to trigger just every time, right? So yeah. if you have a Strangler Grace with a sword and you have a, um, a Wolf Run out, your opponent can't just throw your, the Snapcaster in front of the Strangler guys. You're just going to always get the benefit. And uh, I love this deck. I think nice. it's really elegant. And uh, I, again, this this is what I'm going to be playing for the next couple weeks because um, I just think this has got a really good matchup uh, against pretty much everything out there. There's another cute thing about this deck that I want to point out, which is everyone forgets every summer this seems to happen, that everyone forgets that Mana Barbs is a card. <laughs> and it yeah. just and by the end of summer, it shows up in every deck. I remember that every state's that ever happened, someone top eights with like four mana barbs in their sideboard just because, you know, people forget that's a card and then they just get punished by it. So yeah. I think that that's awesome too. Yeah, there's there's not nothing quite like uh, locking your opponent under his own mana barbs, though, I do have to say. <laughs> right. I remember <laughs> uh, there was an SCG Open final where Jerry Oblivion ringed a mana barbs and then when his opponent was at like four, he Oblivion ringed his own Oblivion ring. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, that card's really techy, uh, especially right now as we see you know these these ramp decks and and obviously like the slower builds of Delver that are trying to use uh, like Splicer and Restoration Angel um, as opposed to just sitting back on on you know Delvers and, and Snapcasters. I, I like that. I think that that it's really good. But is that that card's not an M thirteen though? So Correct. This this is only going to be a strategy that we can use um, going through this year, but you know we have had it in the base set for a long time. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that that is a funny one. I, I always stock my my mana barbs and my binders because those are, those are the the fun ones that I think I think mana barbs at this point has probably been printed more than any rare. <laughs> I, mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's just it's all over. It's kind of like birds, but close. it's like Birds of Paradise. I was going to say I think it's probably been printed more or uh, 
Yeah, that's probably close. I've though. got uh, I'm twelve. One. Twelve, if you count collector's edition and international collector's edition. Barbs <laughs> <But>, uh, <laughs> or birds? Oh, I'm talking about mana barbs. Jeez, that's so impressive. You got Alpha, Beta, Unlimited, and then collector's edition, international collector's edition. Sure. Uh, revised fourth, fifth, sixth, and then tenth M10 and then M12. Nice. So pretty. Yeah, not to mention all of the Korean and Japanese and Chinese and German, all those printings of it that you know are sitting in. Uh, a junk rare box and, you know, yeah, in the seal somewhere, you know, just. <laughs> Which explains why it's 36 cents. Right. <laughs> exactly. So uh, there was another event this weekend um, that we saw some some cool decks pop up at. Uh, the Me and Ruben were able to reunite for a weekend to hang out at the TCG player in Columbus. And uh, oh, that was, that was, once again, like to remind everyone that we are the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com open series. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on! They, they, it, we're just uh, we're just reporting just, the news here. Just things around. <laughs> it's but a uh, there there were some pretty cool decks there. Um, the the decks in particular that I um, I really liked was uh, a guy that we're we're buddies with here in Columbus. His name's Mike Ke- uh, Keckney. He had a Grixis control list that uh, he was doing some serious work with over the weekend um, that had two main deck copies of Chandra the Firebrand and two Nicol Bolas Planeswalker. Um, now, do, you, it, do you have a link to this deck list? That, that I'll, put it, I'll put it in the show notes for sure. Um, but it had, uh, it, I mean, it's it's very different than lists that we've seen. It's got Consecrated Sphinx and Frost Titans. Um, it runs Bonfire in the main deck. Also has one Gilded Lotus as just like a Woo. a miser copy to to ramp into bigger stuff. Um, My goodness! It runs de- a Desolate Lighthouse. Then he has some really cool tech that I actually saw him play. Um, it, he he was playing against zombies and and he was able to board in um, Fettergeist, which blocks every creature in the deck, and then uh, among some other spells like Nile Spell Bombs and Pillar Flames. Um, but it's just I, I just think it's a good innovation on the Grixis deck that we've seen that uh you know it was a little bit slower that uh didn't have like I don't think it had the oomph that this deck has. I think just being able to go shot with a firebrand and copy a slagstorm to kill all the titans on the board or yeah. to deal that last that last bit of damage that you need is that's pretty that's pretty big. So this deck does look sweet. I don't know how he got to second place. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> I, I feel like Chapin's probably been testing this deck for months, you know? But right, Chapin, right. Chapin should have a list up today. Doesn't he have a Grixis article today? Actually, his article today uh, does not have Grixis. Does I thought it, it did because of his the title, something because just not that into Grixis. He threw me off. Yeah, well, he discusses why. He said <laughs> every time he uh, every time he tries to work on Grixis recently, he realizes, well, the deck just becomes a blue-black deck that wants Ancient Grudge. And he's like, and if I just want Ancient Grudge, maybe I just want to play Crushing Vines sure, and then just go Bug. So he has a bug list. That's the... Oh, okay. Well, that's the the gist of that. Perhaps Mike can throw throw Pat in the right direction here. Yeah. Patrick, sorry. So another thing to note from this top eight is that uh, we saw another Infect deck make make uh, the running here. There were no Delverless in the top eight. In the top, top eight, eight. Was, was Nyapod, Grixis, Blue-Green Infect, Black-Red Zombies, Elves, uh, a Dungrove Elder deck, uh, the Mono-Green Aggro deck, Nyapod, and Zombies. So a couple Zombies deck, which is kind of interesting to see in the... Uh, and the top eight here, that it was all over the room on Saturday. We, I think there were just uh, about 250 players uh, showed up to play. Ruben, what did you end up playing? I played uh, BBD's um, Naya Agro list mm-hmm. uh, with Birthing Pods, and I didn't do well. I lost my first round because I uh, misbuilt my deck, basically. Uh, in game in r- game one, round one, where I didn't have an Elishnorn to pod for. Um, it was in my sideboard, and so and then game three I multi four. You know that happens. Round two I won. Round three I played rug ramp and lost, so I dropped. Rug ramp's pretty much a nightmare for the uh, the Naya Agro list. I thought I pretty much had the god draw for like almost for many many matchups in uh, in game one or <coughs> was it game one? No, game two where I went turn one Avacyn's Pilgrim, turn two Thalia Bird, turn three Thrag Tusk. 
and uh, he still stomped me. So, hmm. any uh, notable decks show up that uh, that look cool? Do you like the Grixis deck, or was it kind of business as usual? It was pretty much business as usual. I saw a decent like mono red mid range deck that was doing okay. Hmm. Um, I don't think it made top sixteen, but um, it was pretty interesting. It was it was like the old you know get Koth into play on turn three off of a Sphere of the Suns or an Iron Mirror. Kind oh of man. I have to talk about this deck that I played against in a queue the other day. I, I, it, it kind of made me tilt, but then when I realized what was happening, it was so funny that I couldn't help myself. Like I was like, well, whatever. That's it, it's a good story. Sure. Uh, so my opponent is like, he plays a turn two, or he, he plays a couple mountains, and he plays a turn two sphere suns, and then plays a cough. And I'm like, okay, nice. and I'm and I'm playing like ramp, so I I'm just I know that I'm gonna win because I have glimmer posts and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay, you get cough. And um, so then the next turn, let's see. So that's three, four. So the next turn he plays um, another Sphere of Suns and then pumps his, his cough again. So his cough is one turn away from ultimating. And again, I'm, I'm still like, well, whatever. Even if he goes ultimate, like, I'm just going to infect him out, like, or, or I'll just be able to, to tighten him out. There's no way he, that he can win. So I'm, I'm just, like, not worried about it. So then he on his turn, he ultimates cough. And plays Worldfire. Oh, sweet. And I'm like, uh, all right. So then uh, we go we go to one, and we have no hands, and then he just, like, finally gets on Mountain and then just shocks me. That's awesome. That is actually awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I was, like, really, really angry at the time. Uh, and then, oh, so so to, to make it worse, the next game he ultimates cough and then obviously gets another world fire off. And uh, so I died both times to this silly world fire deck. Nice. But, uh, yeah, so if your opponent plays a cough, he's probably not playing mono red aggro because that deck doesn't exist. He's probably trying to do something silly with it, like, you know, World fire. World fire for crying out loud. Anyway, <laughs> that's that actually like cast world fire on turn like th- four or five. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually that's an impressive way to use world fire. Like I mean, I I hadn't really thought too much about world fire because you look at it and you go, huh, wow, neat, and then you just yeah. move on. <laughs> you know, I'm but, gonna hate <laughs> opening those. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but. But, like, that's kind of an interesting way to do it. You get the Koth emblem, and you know that you're much more likely to top deck a mountain uh, to d- do that one last damage than, right. than anything else. So or if you just have an emblem, you can just play a mountain and then tap it. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. You're, if you already yeah, yeah. have a mountain in hand, then, well, right, no, right. Right. Yeah, your hand. hand's gone. So you, you're both living off the top of your decks, but you've, if you're playing, like, a mono red deck, theoretically, this, that's what this sounds like. Uh, yeah. And, you just hope your opponent doesn't have a Thrag Tusk in play. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. That's yeah. actually a good point. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, that just thwarts the deck. Okay, that's good sideboard tech. Thanks, Ruben. There you go. Yeah. Just in case Worldfire starts to uh take over and the yeah. format. Uh but let let's uh let's talk a little bit about legacy. We had obviously the legacy open in Kansas City and um it looks like the deck to play there was Stoneblade, which yeah. Uh, Stoneblade's obviously always uh since it's been kind of uh since its birth I guess last spring or summer when uh, Stoneforge Mystic and Batterskull first started showing up in Legacy, it's been a thing. And um, Kobe Spath takes the list, and he kind of made some interesting changes to it that uh, that I thought were were kind of notable. Um, first, he plays four or three copies of Terminus, one in the one in the board, so four total. But um, as, but he's not really a miracle deck. He he, uh, he has the Terminus. But he's got main deck Sensei's Divining Top, so he can, you know, set that off fairly easily. And then in the board, he's got Counterbalance. So he's kind of a Stoneblade Counterbalance hybrid, and he splashes red just for two Pyroblasts in the board. Yeah, That's something I've seen people do before. He's but. literally splashing red just to be able to get three counters on his Engineered Explosives and to play two Pyroblasts out of his sideboard. Oh, right on, right on the Engineered Explosives. Missed, uh, I missed that. Uh, just one copy there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not a huge. I I don't I don't get that splash, but you know I, I've done it before. I mean, it, it, if there's so many blue decks in Legacy, Pyroblast just seems like such a, a sweet card, and you know I, I it's so easy to splash just you know a, a couple of volcanic islands like he did here, and just you know have access to a one mana counter target blue spell or destroy target Jace so I can resolve my own kind of thing. Right, right. 
So I mean, he still sure. has six basic lands, so he's not really like I, in all the situations that you would be dead to cards like back to basics. Like I think you're probably just able to search these up. Um, same same thing with like wasteland. So like you don't ever have to fetch volcanic from the get go. You just have to fetch it when you need it. And if you happen to draw like your one volcanic, then you know whatever, or your two one of your two volcanics. Um, the thing that I really like about this deck and the reason why I think it does so well is that it's so easy to port over to the counterbalance top uh, cyborg uh, 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 plan. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, people stay, say, oh, the counterbalance top is just so good against, um, you know, combo. Well, yeah, that's that's true. But it also happens to be really good against one of the best decks, if not the best deck in the format, which is Rug. Um, and uh, I will say... From experience and, and trying to grind this matchup, uh, I actually played a bunch of it this weekend with John Seva, who's a mono blue control player, and I could not beat the counterbalance top lock with the red deck. Uh, I played Mark Sun's rug against his counterbalance top, and um, and I also think that that's you know if we if we see that kind of uh, you know being able to play one or, or one or both parts of the combo in the main deck. Um, then we're, that's why we're, we're going to see Storm kind of like edged out of the metagame a little bit. And, um, you know, we, we alluded to Cedric's sort of soapbox speech that he gave on Storm and why don't people play Storm, et cetera, et cetera. And I think this deck is why you can't play Storm. Like this is what – two counterspell, four fours, two spell peers um, in the main deck – and then after sideboard, access to Pyroblast, Surgical Extraction, if depending on what uh, build you're playing against, Counterbalance, and Disenchant. Yeah, we, so like, we actually ahead. saw uh, Kobe Spath uh, actually played Storm in the Swiss on SCG Live, and he oh, okay. set up Counterbalance. It was, saying, it was pretty much exactly what you're saying. It's like he JVL was saying once you set up Counterbalance, you know that the Storm deck really can't can't win. And, sure. uh, and, and Brad was saying, well, they, you still have to assemble it. And what happens? Kobe just like assembles it on turns, you know, two and three or something. Well, yeah. When you run three or four of each, not, not tough. Yeah. So, uh, it, it was, it, it pretty much played out as you're saying, um, cranny. So I, I really like this. See, I was playing Stoneblade for a while with, uh, in legacy and I decided I want to play miracles and counterbalance top. So I, you know, took the Stoneforge Mystic package out. And so this is kind of an interesting way to to kind of hybridize both. So you cut, like, the Entreat the Angels as the win condition, but you still have Batter Skull and, uh, right. you know, it, it, it's actually kind of something I might want to give a try. It's I love playing with Sensei's Defining Top in Legacy. It's just fantastic, but it's a lot of fun. Um, looking Act at the, the player finish your turn. <laughs> you five it's, it's not that bad. Fetch lands are way worse than top ever could be. Well, he's running both, I would assume. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Yes. I'm just guessing that he's running both as well as Jay Sandstone Forge Mystic. Yeah. So he, he's I, running he, Fetchlands. We actually, if you look, uh, there is a deck that did have the counterbalance top in the main deck um, that made that crack top 16, which is Kelsey Dixon. And I honestly think we're going to start seeing more counterbalance as people realize how good it is against the best decks in the format. Like in the mirror, of course, like you just, it's not that great because you're really trying to just play to get to resolve the one spell. And then the rest of the spells are, don't really matter. And everything after your Stoneforge really doesn't matter. Right. Cause you're just trying to, you're just trying to nail a batter skull or right? everything after the counterbalance and the top doesn't really matter. You're just trying to play to, to, you know, make your opponent pull all his hair out. Right. Um, so I think that this is a good, this is probably the build that I would take if I was going to play the Kelsey uh, Dixon's list. Is that? Yes. Okay. It's it's very it's very sharp. It also has a trinket mage as sort of it's like a mini one tutor. one trinket mage to be able to go get main deck can go get the one relic or the uh, the tops and then sideboard has meek stone which is a sicko mm-hmm. hiding needle and looks like oh, two crypts yep no, and this is like the full no no and that's that's probably not right. Um, but, uh, this is like the full Gabriel Nassif sideboard here. With, Almost uh, full. He's got two Tormod's Crypts. Yeah. It's his it's... Four, I think maybe one of those Tormod's Crypts could be an Explosives. Um, I definitely don't like playing a, a deck that has Trinket Mage, um, uh, without access to having Explosives. I actually probably would play maybe more than, oh, see, he has access to an extra Trinket Mage in the sideboard. But, 
Um, so yeah, yes. it's Joe. You're right. The the, the Stoneblade is is out in full force, um, making up about a quarter of the the top sixteen. I would also briefly like to point out, looking at the uh, top 16s of the various tournaments, I don't think I know a single person who's gotten ninth place more than Joe Bernal. <laughs> Joe Bernal has gotten ninth place so many times. It is just actually unbelievable. That's because he has a card of mine, and he has to give it back to me, and then it'll break the, it'll break the streak. Uh, okay. He has me a, por- a Portuguese black-bordered anime dead. I didn't know that, but he also it probably was top. He was probably top nining long before he borrowed that. <laughs> so real yeah, quick, yeah. on just be, before we move on entirely, I just wanted to ask Ruben since you're such a uh, Maverick aficionado. Yes. Um, how do you feel about the Maverick matchup against Counterbalance Top? Because when I was I was playing against a friend of mine, and he just could not win. Counterbalance Top Lock is not <laughs> necessarily a lock. Uh-huh. Against Maverick for a couple of reasons. No, the most important of which is Green Sun Zenith. You can Zenith for like X equals five if you need to, mm-hmm. and then just still go get a two drop, which is probably a, a Quasali Pride Mage to be able to kill the counterbalance. Pride right. Mage is the other important card there. Uh, also, the counterbalance top decks typically don't have a lot of threes. They probably have they have some, but three is typically the one that they're thinnest on. Mm-hmm. So you either have Trinket Mage or Entreat the Angels, and that's usually about it. Um, yeah, Vendillion sometimes, Click. Sometimes Vendillion Click, but more often than not, the decks are not running the Vendillion Clicks. Mm-hmm. But you definitely don't have a, a, a huge amount you, you of threes. You have more ones, twos, and fours. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so it's not so you can resolve your Knight, and Knight is the most important card in that matchup. Anyway, it's the most important card in most matchups. Um, yeah, see, I, I, for me, what, you know, playing from the counterbalance top side, and I, I wasn't playing Stoneforge Mystic as I mentioned. Um, I basically just was like, uh, counter, counter all your green sun zeniths, and either counter or you know hold the swords or something for your knights. So it wasn't like I wasn't having uh, having any issue with those. The, the problem with that though is that the there are several must swords creatures, mm-hmm. uh, knights obviously. But if you don't sword the Mother of Runes, then you can't sword the Knight, so you got to get rid of the Mother of Runes somehow. Well, you have Terminus and things like that, too. That's right. Terminus definitely makes the matchup better. But the other thing about the matchup is that uh, Maverick typically runs between one and two Planeswalkers of some kind. And if you have any board position whatsoever, you actually can't beat a resolved um, Garrick Relentless or or uh, Gideon Jura. Okay. Um, Garrick is the is the uh, the better one, obviously, because you can fight a Stoneforge Mystic, flip it immediately, and start making Death Touch Wolves, um, which is absurd. So it depends on the list. Also, Thalia, like Thalia, is the reason to play Maverick anyway. Yeah, and, it, it's, real and, and it's not like you're it's not like you're sticking Counterbalance turn two every game. Like right. if I can just resolve a Kasali Pride Mage or a Thalia, like I'm so far ahead at that point that right. I mean, if you're if you if you can't deal with like Mike Casali on the board, then you're you're not sticking counterbalance, and so you're playing to draw swords on what my two two. So then that that leaves my mothers and knights. Like it's it's just like you're yeah. one for wanting so much that like in, all my guys. Addition, are- you can't rely on force of will because uh, the most Maverick decks are running two Cavern of Souls now. Uh, right. and those, Good point. Those typically name human, but they can also name cat if you so wish. They can theoretically name uh, uh, advisor for your Gadok Teague out of the sideboard if you want. You know, there's lots of things <laughs> that you can do, or Kithkin if you're so inclined. But uh, you know, there's lots wouldn't of- say Kithkin there. Many Maverick decks. I don't personally run it, but many Maverick decks are also running Aven Mind Sensor, which is a big problem for the Stoneblade decks. It's not. It's not a blowout in either direction. I just think that Maverick is slightly favored. Okay, I was just curious about that. So, so yeah, go ahead, Cranny. Well, I was just gonna say. I want to talk about Cavernous Souls, but I want to talk about it in a format that we very rarely talk about, which is Vintage, mm. which is a part of our Gen Con discussion. That's right. Uh, so let's move on to the Gen Con discussion and yeah, start with – we'll start, we'll start with Vintage. Okay. So Vintage Worlds is at Gen Con, and I've never seen so many tweets in the last two weeks for people saying, anybody got a set of power? Anyone yep. got power I could borrow? <laughs> I've, like, got, I've got six I've got grand worth of phone calls. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. I got six grand worth of uh, uh, cards from twenty years ago that I'll, I'll happily let you borrow because I like you. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so Vintage Worlds is happening, and um, it's a it's a fun event. It brings some some bigger name people out. Uh, you know, like Dave Williams is a big a fan of Vintage. Uh, Dave Ochoa, I've seen play Vintage pretty yep. much every time he's he's been around. Uh, Owen Turtenwald plays a lot of Vintage, uh, and then obviously like guys like Stephen Ending, and Kevin Cron, like those guys that will be in town, and and I, I think it'll be a really fun event. Um, but one thing that I noticed when we were when we were testing for vintage about six to nine months ago, there was a, a mean deck tournament in Columbus. And one thing that we found when we were testing is like none of the decks, or I should say when we were brewing, no deck played swords of plowshares. Like every deck played Blightsteel Colossus, but no deck had swords. Every deck played Dark Confident, but no deck had swords. So it was like, okay, well, I'm going to play swords to plowshares in my deck. Um, and the same thing goes for like cards like. Melling Mage and Aether Vile and whatever. Like, it, it just seemed like nobody was taking advantage of these cards. And um, sure enough, like the, at the tournament, there were a lot of Tarmogoyce, a lot of Delvers, Snapcasters, Stoneforge Mystics, which were completely uh, absent in a lot of these top eights that you would see online, which leads me to believe that there really is no vintage metagame. Like, what you see is what you get. And, like, you can kind of, like... You can you you obviously have to be able to play a deck that can beat the welder decks and be able to beat the you know the 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 time vault decks and the tesser decks and whatever. But um, there was really no creature presence, and so now that there's a creature presence in Cavern of Souls is legal, I feel like this is seriously pro- probably the most important card to get printed in vintage uh, as, since Thalia, since uh, Snapcaster Mage, since Delver. I mean, like. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I feel like this is just like being able to just say human and never have your, your dark confidant um, countered or to say core and never have your Stoneforge, you know, counterspelled. Like, I feel like well, that's I think just that there's, even in, in vintage. There are other applications for it. For example, um, the, uh, the welder decks can play at naming goblin and play a goblin welder through their own chalice of the void on one. Oh, uh, sure. Wow. Yeah. So that that's a real important uh, a thing to be able to do. I mean, goblins can be a deck in vintage now, also, because they've got so many ways to hate on all the other decks and still be really aggressive. Um, and so I would not be shocked to see a goblins deck in vintage. Because you you mentioning, I know, obviously this is slightly off topic, but you guys mentioning welder makes me realize where has this been in legacy? Like we have not seen the uh, painter grindstone, you know, goblin welder kind of things happening uh, in legacy. I've seen a couple of them. I've, I've, I've seen, I mean, they're just not doing as well for several reasons. One, one of the reasons is uh, Emra cool is still relatively prevalent. So you can't reliably grindstone people. Uh, Another reason is you don't have mox moxen in legacy. So it's just harder to, get welder going but i mean it'll it's it's one of those decks that's like dredge where when people forget about it and then get rid of all of their hate for it uh it t- it wins a tournament yeah this, is, this is a call to all you denver players that uh want to show up and like play bring, legacy. bring yeah. out your uh-huh. yeah yeah so uh the, go ahead Crane. the other card that you actually just said dredge and that's another one where like i think that the vintage like a couple years ago you had like these big name vintage players like brian amars saying like oh well dredge isn't a deck it, but Dredge is like one of, if not the best deck in the in the whole format, right? And and it won Vintage Worlds um, a couple years ago, and uh, and I think that we see that a lot with Vintage. I think Legacy used to be like this, and um, I'll try to say this as nice as I can, where you'd be like, "Hey, what are you doing playing Werebear? Werebear sucks," and then the Legacy players would be like, "Hey, you're wrong, man. This is our format. We know what we're doing." And then, uh, and then pros come in and they're like, okay, well, we're going to play, you know, we're going to play Tarmogoyfs instead. Right. And, um, and I think that we get a little bit of that with Legacy, not like, not like the people in the mainstream, but more guys like on the boards just kind of grinding out. Like they don't realize that like Swords of Plowshares and Tarmogoyfs and Delvers and these cards, they're, they're, you can win just as well with those as you can with playing a five mana Planeswalker that wins you the game, the turn you resolve them. Um, that tempo is just as important as these big haymaker spells. And um, so I, I actually posted something on Twitter saying that I think that that Cavern, that people not playing Cavern are wrong because, like, the whole format is, like, mental missteps and forces and and uh, mana drains, a format that literally will throw five cards uh, at, at trying to counter a turn one Bob. I don't know. That's just, like... 
that's just my perspective. So I, I think if you're going to play in Vintage, I would play that card. I would play a Mud deck with Thalia because you have Lodestone Golem that you can name Golem, which is ridiculous. Uh, you have access to all of your colorless spells that you can play. You can name Construct if you want to play your Metal Worker. You can name, uh, if you're playing, for some reason, playing Welder still, you could you can name Goblin. Um, and you just have access to, I think at this point now, 11 Sphere Effects, or, or 13 Sphere Effects. Because wow. you have 4 Thalia, 4 Sphere, 1 Trinosphere, and 4 Thorn of Amethyst. Oh, and, I'm sorry, no, and uh, 4 Lone Stone Golems. So that's 17 Sphere Effects. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm not, uh, I've, I don't think I've ever even played vintage so you know I, it's hard for me to uh contribute necessarily but I, I would love to see you know we should revisit this next week and see if anybody used uh cavern yeah there's another pretty big event happening at gen con right and this was actually going to be the first question in my uh, my gen con quiz for you guys so if you want to move on to uh, to, to the Gen Con quiz, I will start out with that question. Sure, let's do it because we, the, Cranny and I, don't know the you know the questions. All yeah, right, yep, I have not told them the questions. So here here's the first one. Uh, Sixteen players received an invitation to the 2012 Players Championship taking place at Gen Con. Wait, wait, wait the Players Championship I believe is in Seattle at the end of this month. Right. I, I well, I was jumping, but I was okay. going to say uh, if you can name any of them. Uh, Junior Ianaga, right? Yep, Junior Ianaga is the world champion. Yeah, LSV. LSV is the second most pro points of the otherwise unqualified players. Owen Turtonwald behind John Finkel. Yep, Owen Turtonwald was the 2011 Player of the Year. Uh, I'll just quickly go through them here. Reed Duke was the online champion, and then all the mm-hmm. Pro Tour champions were Samuel Estrati, Brian Kibler, and Alex Hayne. The pro points leaders from the various continents are Josh Utterlayton, PV. Martin Juza, Yuya Watanabe, and Tsu Ching Kuo, who's the leader of the APAC region. And then you guys, we went over Finkel and Luis Scott Vargas, followed by Yasuka, Ochoa, and Nakamura. Hmm. Now, that's leading that, – that, of course, is the Players' Championship. Can right, you name any – Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. I was going to say, can you name any team captains? Isn't Kibler a team captain? I believe he is. Sorry, that took uh, the easy one, Cranny. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bow out of this one. I am I don't I don't know. I see Paulo uh, is Paulo. Paulo is Paulo. Paulo. There we go. Um, other notable team captains include um, Nicolas De Nicola from Argentina. That is a name. I just like his name a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Belgian team is really good. Their captain is Vincent Lemoine. Oh yeah. Uh, Marine Liber is also on their team. Uh, Canada's captain is Alex Hayne, of course. Um, Chinese Taipei's captain is Chu Ching Kuo, who's the APAC leader. Rolf Levy is France's uh, captain. Hall uh, of Famer. Yep. Niv Shmuley is Israel's captain. He's a guy that I know from back in the day. Uh, I, I, I met him a couple times. Me, him, a couple of the other Israelis, and Adam Yurchik went to a Kroger at a tournament in Nashville one time, and that was a, a ridiculous experience. Uh, <laughs> other names that you might recognize, Yelger Wiegersma from the Netherlands. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of, a lot of big-name players. So I, I will uh, cut that out and not read any more of those and go to more Gen Con-centric questions for you. So who created Gen Con? Uh, wow. No idea. No clue. I, I guess I'll take a stab at it. Um, Wizards of the Coast. You're not far off, but uh, it's actually uh, Gary Guidejax. Oh, crea- really? The creator of Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, nice. Created Gen Con in 1968 as a war games convention. Wow. So, and then later invented D&D. Wow. So Gen Con predates D&D. Very interesting. How about this one? What is the gen... In Gen Con, short for that, I was actually going to ask you guys that anyway before I even knew any of the trivia. So I'm not sure. Uh, I guess to say generation, <laughs> right? It's like I don't, I don't know. General. Well, or... here you go. In 1968, Jacks rented Lake Geneva's horticultural hall near his home in Wisconsin for fifty dollars to hold the first formal Lake Geneva convention, also known as Gen Con. Wow. It was later termed Gen Con Zero. 
Wow. Interesting. So it's actually the Geneva Convention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Geneva Convention. That's exactly right. Wow. Okay, cool. So, I didn't know it was been out since 1968. 1968 was the first one. 54 wow. years. Wow. Yeah. So uh, Gen Con recently actually spent a short time under Chapter 11 bankruptcy in 2008. Why? Uh, I guess financial restructuring. I don't know. <laughs> Got any guesses there, Joey? No idea. Although I just realized it was 44 years, not 54 years. Sure. <laughs> That's quite all right. So a couple people out there might know about this whole debacle. There was a lawsuit brought against them brought against them by Lucasfilms for the whole Star Wars celebration thing. I won't go into detail. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, they, um, they didn't miss a tournament, I don't believe. Uh, they still had all their regularly scheduled events. They got sued at such a time that they – didn't have to cancel anything, and they're they're fine. They're doing fine, so don't worry about it. Last year they had thirty eight thousand visitors, which is twice as much as its former biggest competitor, Origins, and almost as much as the E three convention. Wow! So it, I mean, it is huge. It's it is uh, it's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, who currently owns Gen Con? Uh, I want to say it, it's going to be like a big company, like a Hasbro or something. So I'll say Hasbro. It used to be owned by Hasbro. They sold it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Mattel. <laughs> no. Right. Uh, yeah, it's like Mattel. I'm trying <laughs> to think of uh, you know what's Blizzard or something. <laughs> Obviously, like not Gen Con Blizzard. is currently owned by Peter Adkinson. Are you familiar with that name? Yes. Uh, Wait a second. Creator and former owner of Wizards of the Coast. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow. Cool. Uh, he currently owns Hidden City Games, which publishes Bellasara, which is the collectible card game for little girls. Huh. I don't know if you know that game, but anyway, <laughs> Hidden City Games uh, makes is another game company that he, uh, I believe, he also created. But he is the former owner of Wizards of the Coast wow. and the creator of Wizards of the Coast. Wow! I'll give you one last one and see this. You might be able to get some of the answers out of this one. There have been other Gen Cons other than Gen Con Indianapolis. Give me some locations. L.A. Uh, I don't believe there was one in that. Well, it might have been. There was, uh, I believe, SoCal. The Gen Con SoCal's from 2003 to 2006. I think we're in San Diego. I'm not sure though. Um, but among other places that had Gen Cons were San Jose, Jacksonville, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, Essex, England, Antwerp, Belgium, Paris, Barcelona, London, Benelu. Uh, Southern California and Australia, and the Australia ones were nicknamed Gen Con Oz. So huh. this this makes me feel very fortunate to live where I do geographically because, yep. um, like I'll just say the convention itself, if you haven't been, is huge. It's twenty four hours. It, you could you could come in the morning at six in the morning and stay three days and have something to do every minute of that, of that time. Absolutely. Not to mention if you have friends there, then you're just like turbo have stuff to do. Um, but uh, if you plan on going, br- bring a little bit of extra cards with you to sell. Um, because one of my favorite things to do at Gen Con and origins and these other, other cons is uh, I have seven brothers and sisters and a ton of family. I'll do my Christmas shopping here. Yeah. <laughs> They have, like, really cool stuff that, that you can't find anywhere. My sisters are into video games. My wife loves video games. So I'll go and buy, like, T-shirts and little trinkets. And, nice. uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good thing. And, and like, also, you got to remember that most of the smaller vendors here, they're all small businesses. So, yes. it, you know, yeah, you have, like, Lego and, and Hasbro and, and, you know, Blizzard and these big companies that will set up shop. But then you also have guys like, you know, Kibler and, and uh, you know, they're going to have the SoulForge booth set up and they're going to have demos. And, and there's a lot of, like, upstart game uh, design people and companies and and uh, and magic shops. So it's a, it's a really good time. Like, if you want to stimulate the economy and you got you got some some Christmas money, instead of going to Walmart and buying your uh, your your little brother or sister a Wii game, 
get him a get him get him a t-shirt or some magic singles or something. It's yeah. I think it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty and cool. I would like to uh, briefly to give you an idea of the scale and also to plug Star City Games. Star City Games has booth number two thousand one hundred and forty-one. Wow. <laughs> booth number two one four one is Star City Games at Gen. Yeah. And they'll if you, if you order stuff off their site, you can pick it up on site if you're for. Well, at the time of stairs, it might not be true. Yeah, but uh, you could have if you go back in time. No, (laughs) but they will have a large show stock there. It's it's Gen Con. They're going to have everything that you need. So it's gonna it's gonna be a good time. I'm a little sad I'm not going, but uh, you know I, I like my weeks off. Yeah, we'll definitely miss you guys. Uh, we're we're going to be doing Team Rocks drafts the entire weekend. That's all nice. we're doing. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, as, as we mentioned, World Magic Cup is happening there. That will be something. If you're not going, like Ruben and I are not going, you can catch some magic co- uh, magic coverage on uh, on the internet to watch. I believe uh, you know the uh, the GG's Live guys are. I believe that. that is true. Yes, Marsh- uh, Marshall's going to be in town. I yeah. think he's commentating. Yeah, Marshall oh, wow. is doing some of the commentary. So uh, nice. Sheldon, Marshall, uh, Rich Hagon, BDM, I believe. Of course, Rashad, Zach Hill, all those guys are supposedly doing the uh, the webcast. So nice. You can look forward to that. Since there is no SCG live to watch, you know, at, at least there's something. Uh, so um, <laughs> another thing, uh, you know, we mentioned it earlier. One of the uh, one of the topics this week are. Some more potential spoilers. I mean, these are these are rumors, kind of speculation uh, as to some cards that may ha- show up in the fall and return to Ravnica. And uh, we've got five cards here, supposedly from some sort of uh, Japanese article. And um, yeah, there's the, a link on the on the uh, in the thread here. Yeah, and from it's, a, from a Japanese blog. Right. So so the thing is, you know, there, all sorts of rumors show up. You know, and a lot of them are fake. But the thing, and I, I mentioned it to you guys before we started recording. Uh, I think Greg Hainig, who is a useless end on Twitter, a former moderator on MTG Salvation, I think he's got a very good filter for for fake cards. So I think yeah. when I notice him tweeting about the possibility of cards being real, that's when I look. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. that's a good barometer. Whenever he yeah. starts talking about them. Yeah. So uh, I noticed he tweeted this morning about these Japanese cards. Something about uh, you know, the more he looks at them, the more he thinks they're real, but hopes they're fake. I think was was the uh, <laughs> to paraphrase it. But so let's let's briefly read through the five here, and then we'll we can uh, jump in and discuss any one once we're done with the five. Yeah, so we've got Blightwind Gust, which is a green, black, black, and two. Sorcery rare. Choose one. Destroy all artifacts or destroy all creatures or destroy all enchantments. So a nice kind of elegant, straightforward, uh, super maelstrom pulse kind of yeah. idea here. Mm-hmm. I think of that, obviously. Ma- like austere commandish. Yeah, so you, you, you choose between uh, one of the three modes, and uh, but it, it reminds me a little bit of a, a maelstrom pulse kind of sure uh evolution and um so that that's that then we have scalp which is a sorcery it's an uncommon it costs a black target player discards a card if you have contract with rakdos that player loses two life and so uh then it has contract with rakdos a black and a red you may reveal this card from your hand and pay its contract cost to contract with rakdos contract only as a sorcery so that's we'll, we'll get into the discussion on what exactly that means, at least theoretically, uh, after we read the rest of these. Um, anybody else want to want to read you? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and read the next one. The next yeah. one is got is wi- uh, Spine Whip Punisher. It's a uh, black and four colorless common zombie creature. It has first strike and is a three three. So three three first strike in, in black is pretty neat. As long as you have contract with Rakdos, Spine Whip Punisher has sacrificed a creature, put a plus one plus one counter on Spine Whip Punisher, and has contract with Rakdos of black red. And we just read what contract with Rakdos does. Then the next one is Skelectrician or Selectrician. Selectrician? Selectrician, yeah. Selectrician you got it. Is a two colorless blue red two three. So a four mana two three. Uh, human Wizard, which is a rare, has the ability pay two colorless, counter target spell you control, Selectrician deals X damage to target player, where X is that spell's converted mana cost. 
So that's something interesting that we've never seen before. Yeah. Crane, I will let you take the last one if you so want. I appreciate that, especially given that it's a planeswalker. Yeah. Jace, advisor to the Firemind. Uh, of course, we saw Jace standing with Niv-Mizzet in the art that they showed off at Comic-Con. Right. Planeswalker, plus two. Put Oh, it starts with one loyalty. Plus two, put a card from your hand on top of your library. Zero, look at target player's hand. And minus seven, you get an emblem with, whenever you draw a card, Jace, advisor to the Firemind, deals two damage to target creature player. So where do you guys want to start? I think you missed, you missed the most important thing about Jace, which is that it costs blue-red. Oh, I'm sorry. Two mana. Two mana Jace. So, so Jace is apparently now Niv-Mizzet's guidance counselor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and it, I don't know what sort of advice he's giving him, but putting cards on top of your own library doesn't seem it's not great advice. appealing. Yeah, well, Jace is not impressive to me. Um, it is le- it, I am less excited about Jace than I was about Tibalt, for example, because um, I thought Tibalt was like a, a relevant thing that you could be doing, whereas I don't see Jace doing much. Now, let's not forget the obvious interaction with Bonfire of the Damned and Temporal Mastery yes. and the so angel, Entry let's, the Angels. Let's pretend that we don't live in the miracle dreamland where okay. Jace... So pretend that, that that that's not a mechanic. I mean, okay, so that's I mean, it, it okay, it will possibly go in that deck with temporal masteries and bonfires and thunder thunderous wraths and things like that. But just in a vacuum, I was more excited about Tibalt. Okay, is what I'm saying. So so here's the thing. All right, I, I look at Jace and I think the it starts with one loyalty and its emblem is uh it's pretty awesome, but it you know takes seven. To, to uh, to get there, so that's a lot of turns. Even when you're plus twoing, you get to do it on your fourth turn. Yeah, I mean, it still seems like a lot of turns for him to not have taken some sort of damage or or something, you know. Yeah, uh, but you're down a lot of cards. Exactly, you're you're kind of discarding here. But the thing that makes this uh, interesting, we don't know what other kind of mechanics are going to be in the block that may work with you know the top card of your library. The the thing is, as Cranny mentioned. Uh, this works great with miracles because that's the that's the cool thing about legacy how you can brainstorm the miracles right back on top. Right um, here, you have something sort of like that, so you obviously want to play it in sort of a miracle deck. It's also nice, you know, if you happen to be playing Delver of Secrets, right? You blue can, red Delver, right? You have blue red Delver as an option. Um, Telepathy is a card that I'm. I've always, like, actually, I, I think I did actually play it back in the 90s when it was originally printed in Ursus Saga because I, I thought it was good. But I've always come back to it because, you know, how valuable it, is it to have, you know, information, information about your opponent's hand? So this is a... Knowing is half the battle. Yeah, so every turn you get a Gataxian probe that you don't pay life or mana for, but you don't get to draw the card. Sure. So you, you could do that. You know, you could just put Jace out as a telepathy, which is actually worse than telepathy, but because uh, now it costs two. Because they can they can attack it. Yeah, also, they can attack what, it. It costs two mana. It only works during your turn. So end of your turn, they draw a card, or on their turn, they draw a card. You don't see what it was until you know whatever. But I, I think it's I think it's a plausible card, and I think it's it's interesting. I'm kind of excited about it. Uh, yeah. But I I can see the. It's a little underwhelming in a way, but go ahead. So, yeah, it's plausible. Um, I I don't know. Like, obviously, it's it's good with some other mechanics that we've seen, Miracle, but, I mean, that's a lot of card disadvantage to get such a small ultimate. I mean, we're not talking, like, even Tybalt's ultimate is better than this, I think. Like, being able to threaten the board. Um you know, this is good alongside, like, if you had a draw seven, you could win the game when you use it. But, like, it's just not – I think this is probably my least favorite emblem. And it also is very awkwardly worded uh, because it says you get an emblem with whenever you draw a card, Jace, the advisor to the Firemind, deals two damage to target creature player. As opposed right. to whenever you draw a card, deal two damage to target creature player. Yeah, that is a little weird. So the damage can be, like, prevented with Circle of Protection Blue, for example? I guess. It's just it, – that that's the only part – of all these spoilers that I look at, and I'm like, eh, I don't know that that either that they would word it like that. But I'm it also and it's been translated though. Keep that in mind. I believe right. it's been translated somewhat. So, so we were talking. 
Well, I was, sorry, Joey. I was to say we were talking a little bit before the show on this contract with Rakdos mechanic, and I think I've got it. I think I've got it nailed. Uh, we we have some subtext here, but we don't uh, we don't have like you know the the judge packet they sent out, or we don't have like an article saying what this mechanic does. But here's here's my theory, and uh, we won't focus too much on it until we know for sure. But contract with Rakdos, I believe this is like sort of a mini emblem. Yeah. Um, if you look at Spine Whip Punisher's uh, ability, it says as long as you have contract with Rakdos, it has the ability put uh, sack a creature, put a plus and plus one counter on it. That is very um, that that feels a lot like being able to uh, have that ability like over the course of multiple turns. And since it says you play this ability as a sorcery, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because these aren't like huge bumps. Like making giving like target player discards a card, having them lose an extra two life, or giving this snid the ability to put a plus one plus one counter on it is not huge. So like if you had a whole deck that had like these small secondary abilities, and all you had to do is one turn like pay the contract cost um, to make them you know go from really awful cards to slightly playable, um, then I think that that's that's probably the way that this works. What do you guys think? I think it's an it's an emblem until end of turn. Or maybe until the beginning of your next turn. Uh, that, that, yeah, I think that's more plausible, Joey, because um, that sack or creature put a plus one plus one counter on it, like, that's an awful combat trick. Like, if you have to play that at sorcery speed, but being yeah. able to, like, either have that the entire game or be able to have it to your next turn yeah. makes combat, like, a little bit difficult for your opponent, right? So this creature is... Yeah, you can only contract as a sorcery also. So, yeah, the, the beginning, until the beginning of your next turn makes a lot more sense. All right, so there you go. Teamwork, got it. Uh, so <laughs> Temporary uh, emblems, that's what we did. Yeah, and I, I think these are, you know, Scalp is kind of interesting. I mean, you know, Cry of Contrition is way better than this card, and that, that card saw some play, but I, and same with, like, Raven's Crime. Um, yeah. The two life, unless there's a really, really aggressive deck that, it, you know, revolves around, like, you know, a card like uh, uh, Stab Whisker the Odious, or um, or the rack, uh, I don't think this card yeah. is enough. Um, but uh, to to go up one one notch further, what do you guys think of this Blightwind Gust? This card's really cool, and and it's I a love that card. Yeah, yeah, it's nice and uh, versatile, and gives black a way to deal with uh, artifacts and enchantments. You know, well, I mean, obviously you have green there, but you know, right. And if, with Liliana, who cares? You just go grab a Overgrown Tomb, and that's right. Yeah. Know. I, I like this card a lot. I'm a huge fan of Austere Command. Um, and this is basically just mini baby Austere Command. Uh, not even that mini baby. Like, you can destroy all creatures for five instead of for six with Austere. But uh, this card's fantastic. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, looking at these, I, I mean, obviously they're, they're rumors right now. They're kind of speculation. But... It, they all feel plausible to me. The only thing, like, I see a, a card named Selectrician and go, oh, come on, that can't be real. But then I remember Switcheroo. So, right. you know, it's like, <laughs> I guess Selectrician could be an actual magic card name now that they've, you know, uh, that Switcheroo has paved the way yep. and uh, trailblazed horrible I'll card just, names. I'll just point out Selectrician is insane. <laughs> it does Selectrician's seem insane. interesting with, uh, with, like, Blasphemous Act. Or, uh, well, I don't know. How about... Even just, like, even just in Limited, like, he's kind of like a super Stormbind. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, like, Null Spine Invocation was really good, and you had to pay the full X to get the effect, and, and this feels a lot like Null Spine on a creature. Um, it's, obviously, it's, it's, it's actually X plus one, or X plus two in this case. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. And, and if but there's if we're a... casting Mirror Enforcers... Then we're just sevening people, right? Exactly. If there's yeah, if there's a scornful egotist of this set, uh, you know, then maybe we'll maybe we'll see something like this. But uh, overall, these are like the uh, spine whip punisher is definitely a filler card. Like, yes, yeah. no, it's a common scalp yeah, is three it, for five. scalp yeah, is also a filler card. I think blightwing gust is a great rare. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, Jace, I, I'll reserve my judgment because we have absolutely no context in a set that I'm sure will require a ton of context in yeah. order to evaluate the cards. 
So in it, you know, right now, yeah, you can bonfire, you can mastery, but yeah, don't really care about this card otherwise. Yeah, maybe the other is it uh, thing is something that requires the top of your library to do stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's sure. my my guess. It's, it's something. It's going to work with more than just the previous block. I know they always try to, you know, make things work with the previous block. Like, so there's obviously combos well with Miracle, um, but I think they also need it to work well with the current, you know, the block it's in. So right. yeah. that's going to happen. You can also keep in mind that you can Miracle, you can put your Temporal Mastery back on top with Jace, mm-hmm. then Miracle it, then counter it with your Selectrician to deal seven. Nice. Nice. Yeah, or, we did it. In, in a more... Maybe a maybe a more uh, real world situation where you miracle your temporal mastery, which also happens to flip your delver, and you can switch yeah, yeah. twice. You know. <laughs> Another important thing to point out about Selectrician is counter target spell you control it deals damage, etc. It doesn't say if that spell is countered deal X damage. So if you cast something off of Cavern of Souls or Basaju, you can counter it, hmm. right, and then still deal the damage. So if you're casting Urza's Rage, you can counter it. But it would still deal the damage. Or right. what if there's a spell that if it's countered, you get a positive effect? So right. like a sort of like dodecapod of counter spell cards. Like, yeah. all right, well, I'm going to get a Tarmogoyf. If you want to counter it, you're going to have to give me a two Tarmogoyf. Two, two. Yeah. Or, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, cool. Interesting. Well, uh, about, yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, uh, if you're around this weekend, you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday, maybe you're driving into Gen Con, um, I will be there. And I will be there playing a lot of cube and hanging around the dealer room and hanging with friends. So if you are in town and you listen to the show, I'd love to meet you. Make sure you come up and say hi. And uh, I'm always up for talking about cube and uh, maybe, maybe play testing some, some legacy or something. Um, so make sure you come up and say something. Yeah. Uh, we won't be there, but I'll be in Denver. So two weeks from now. Ruben, are you going to be in Denver? Or? I will not be okay. in Denver. Slacker. Uh, yeah, I'm really lazy. <laughs> um, I, have, uh, I have several weeks off. I'm taking a look at my schedule right now. But, yeah, I will not be making the trip to Denver. I know for a fact that I will, however, be going to uh, Minneapolis. Oh, so cool. that will be the next one I'm going to be doing. Cool. Sounds good. I so uh, I think – is that everything, guys? I believe that's that. I, uh, I would like to remind everyone that the next episode of The News Inning is out. Um, you can go watch it at StarCityGames.com. I also believe that I have Sweet Tweets coming out soon. And, uh, tomorrow, uh, I believe. I It happens to have been on the uh, – it already published on the, the SCG. My app. Tweets was? I believe so, yeah. Oh, uh, it what? says Tuesday, what? August 14th. Did you finish it? I did. I finished is, it last week. Is it about Is It versus Golgari? It is. Yeah. It's already out. <laughs> so it's already out for some of you. It'll be out for everybody at some point sometime. Well, it's, well technically, since it's published Tuesday, now that they're listening, it's already out. There you go. Did they, did they uh, include my little short story? I didn't it? read it yet. I just saw that it was up. I didn't get a chance to read it. The little short story's in it. If not, I will, uh, I will put that up somewhere. And uh, yeah, so does anybody else have anything to do before I close out the show? Nope. Close it out. All right. Well, we, we hope to see you at Gen Con. If we don't see you at Gen Con, we hope to see you at Denver. If we don't see you at Star City Denver, we hope to see you at the supermarket in line buying some eggs. We'll say hi. Uh, and uh, for Joey and Matt, I'm Ruben, and that is this week's episode of In Contention.